Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Hello, welcome to Asia Tech Podcast Stories. My name is Graham Brown. Today on ATP Stories, I'm joined by an old friend. Well, a friend because we've done an interview before. I know she's got a lot to say. Oli Halimatusadia. Oli, welcome to the show. Thank you, Graham. How are you? I am very good. I'm really pleased that we are speaking again. We spoke just as we said off air over a year ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that was for a different <laughs> podcast. But I really enjoyed speaking to you then because you've got quite an interesting story in the sense that you're not a uh, you're not a, an entrepreneur who's sort of come out of Stanford University with a computer science degree <laughs> and walked straight into a startup. You're a different kind of entrepreneur. I think it's important to tell your story and share that with the world because it's inspirational as well, as much as... Well, thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk, start at the top. What keeps you busy? I know you, here's the thing. I mean, if anybody knows Ollie or connected with Ollie on LinkedIn, Ollie will come up <laughs> on the LinkedIn feed like every day. I don't know. There's always someone like, has a picture of Ollie doing this, Ollie doing that. All right. We've got well, so I'm many... not now. Yeah, no, no, no. I want to start with the trophy first. Let's talk about that. I saw that. It was last week or something. Well, there's a picture. Okay. I'm doing Ollie's interview next week. Let's go and get some news oh, on her. Like, turn on LinkedIn and there you are with a trophy talking <laughs> to LinkedIn video. What was all that about? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I got um, a LinkedIn powerful profile of 2017 from Indonesia in the category of marketing and advertising. And I'm so happy because I've been in media only just a little bit over one year, one and a half years, right? Mm. So I'm very new in the industry and I already basically... uh, appreciated, recognized, you know, in, in, in the industry by LinkedIn. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm grateful. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank what, you. What did you do to get that? What did you have to achieve to get that? <laughs> mainly mainly just updating my LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> and just having so, lots of followers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, have a very nice uh, profile picture will help. Yeah. And also um, updating my LinkedIn very, uh, uh, I elaborate, you know, what I do, you know. Yeah, yeah. So because I, I understand uh, there's a lot of keywords that people will search. So I, I, re- I really keep my, my profile details hmm. detailed. And also uh, I request people to write recommendations for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have like almost 20 recommendations hmm. uh, from all over uh, works that I've done. So, yeah, I make sure everything is updated with my LinkedIn and people like, you know, constantly bump into my, my profile because of the the completeness of, of it, you know, well, the right. keywords. Yeah. We, have to, we have to up our LinkedIn game and learn a bit from you as well. <laughs> but it's not, I mean, you're not just posting stuff on LinkedIn, which is, you know, like I ate this for lunch. You're, you're, you, a lot of what you do is you, I see a lot of pictures of you involved with other entrepreneurs especially in the events that you're doing you seem to be involved quite heavily in that we'll talk about that in a minute because it's kind of important especially with the kind of people you're trying to help get into um, business or start their own business as well let's talk Mm -hmm. about yourself first ollie you know what you are and this is another congratulations so a double award today you are after having done 150 well, 135, 150 interviews on Asia Tech Podcast Stories. Get this, you are the first in Asia from 
Jakarta. Really? I, I know, it's amazing. We haven't yet opened the lid on Indonesia. That's unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, congratulations. Yeah, you should reach out more. Thank you. Exactly. We're working our way around. So you're based in Jakarta. Mm -hmm. You're Indonesian, obviously. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial setup now. What kind of things do you do? And then we'll talk how you got there because there's an interesting story about how you got there as well. So what is it that keeps you busy day to day? What's your day job, if I can use that word? So I, I mainly uh, at Zeta Media right now. It's a digital media network, uh, curated user-generated content platform with 11 lifestyle portals. Mm -hmm. uh, we started since 2016, just last year. So yeah, that keeps me busy. Uh, I'm running team to help basically those 11 portals running. What um, kind of lifestyle portals are they? Um, a lot, like widespread, like from uh, young people, mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, trivia.id, one of the portals is for young people under 25, mm -hmm. just like myself. And yeah. then... <laughs> well, oh, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not gonna... <laughs> okay. <laughs> she and has then, squeezed um... a lot of life experience into such a short time, obviously. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, we have we also have uh, um, life, another lifestyle portal, but specifically in finance for young people. We call it moolah.id. Uh, we also have travel portals and also relationship portals, you know, like very segmented. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I work with managing editors to help me manage uh, all of those, those portals. Mm -hmm. Basically, I'm in the content. I'm the content, uh, chief content officer. So basically, I, I'm uh, responsible in, in the content strategy. How, how many people have you got in your team there? Uh, 20. 20. 20 people. Are they mostly content producers, editors? Mm -hmm. What kind of people? So we don't have writers, first of all. We only have editors. Mm. So all, all the contents coming from the public, okay. uh, we actually educate them to express their mind and share their stories to our platform. Mm. And then after that, after the submit, then we, uh, we basically curate and edit uh, their, their stories. So mostly uh, editors, and um, because we're a technology company, uh, uh, also a lot of uh, technology people and mm. digital marketers. What sort of stories are people sharing on that? I mean, maybe you can give us an example of some a story that sticks in your mind or what kind of things mm. are they actually sharing on your platform? Okay. So uh, so when, when you read uh, a lot of content that brands put on their page, for example, uh, like five tips to uh, survive mm. in crisis, for example. So those five tips are very rigid, you know, like very um, uh, theoretical. Yeah, yeah. So I want to give a perspective in here because people love authenticity and stories, right? Mm. So I want those five tips to uh, survive from crisis coming from people that actually have already uh, get through, get past that uh, crisis, you mm. know? So there's a lot of depth in the article. Uh, people can connect better with the article. Yeah. So, yeah, my my job is, there's a lot of uh, stories, uh, these kind of stories from a lot of people. 
like uh, one of the most uh, interesting is uh, probably a travel story from someone who just got her heart broken, for mm. example. And then she traveled all over Indonesia to heal her heart. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's uh, easily become a very deep story that people connect to, connect with, and, you know, it it can promote Indonesian, um, you know, destinations mm-hmm. in and, one article. And we yeah. can all relate to heartbreak, can't we? That's the thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. universal and timeless. So does that come naturally to Indonesian people to share that stuff publicly? I don't really know what the standard is there, whether people do that or they're used to doing that, or do they need a lot of coaxing, a lot of help to be public about that? Or, you know, the fact that maybe they can do it anonymously, for example, means Mm -hmm. they can do it. What's the situation there in Indonesia? Um, I don't think there's uh, enough platform to do that. So it's not normal to share your deepest story. Hmm. Uh, But they probably just uh, share it on their own Facebook, for example. But then it just become a rant, you know, just uh, yeah. uh, just sounds like complaining. But um, what I do with my company, Zeta Media, we try to inspire them to take the lessons out of whatever happens in their life, you know. Mm. So, okay, this happened to you, That you know, what's the lessons? What's the lessons learned that you can share to people? And that become the article. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, we live in a time now, you mentioned like the five tips, it's kind of that, what's the word, BuzzFeed style content, yes. It's it seems difficult to compete with that because that gets so much of the traffic, doesn't it? That exactly. here are the, the seven things you need to do or the 11 things you shouldn't be eating or whatever it is, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. that gets our attention. How do you compete with that? Because you, you're doing something which requires a lot more connection and therefore doesn't come so quickly. I don't, I don't compete with that. I use that, basically. Right. So basically, uh, I combine. So I, I never trying to compete. So I use whatever works already and then adds uh, the, the virality uh, point that I thought would, would make this article better, which is authenticity yeah. the story the deeper connection got it so, so i i still i still use that that type of um, title mm-hmm. but you actually deliver mm-hmm. more content when they actually get there exactly and i also unpack the title so it's not too generic you know mm-hmm. so something that listeners may or may not know about ollie is that you yourself are a bit of a writer aren't you an author a bit. Uh, a bit yeah, exactly. When I use the word bit, because I want how many books have you published or authored? Um, 29. 29. But oh. I al- already write 30 books, so one book not published yet. Right. Okay. So you've got another one coming out. What's that book? Can you share that with us? Yeah. So basically, in the last three books, I started to write biography of uh, successful people in Indonesia. Mm. So the last book that I published uh, called Done is Better Than Perfect. Right. So it's a it's biography of a serial entrepreneur and digital marketer in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. His name is Danny, Danny Santoso. Uh, I see him as someone that is um, perf- has a perfect life, you know, mm. like happy family, 
um, six packs, you know. And, <laughs> who is this, and also, by the way? So just for listeners who don't know who this person is. Denis Santoso is the founder of digitalmarketer.id. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he already famously, um, you know, uh, raised his business uh, in... Uh, supplements business basically he's very strong at fitness business mm. before and he used his skill in digital marketing to create the class classes uh, mm. on on digital marketing so uh, i see him that he has is very uh, quote unquote perfect has a perfect life so i want to know you know what's behind this mm. and and that's why that's how we we talk and you know finally making uh, all his books so he has three values uh, you know, he always, you know, uh, learn from his dad, um, uh, always honor his parents, uh, family comes first, you know, and then uh, on on fitness side, he always eat healthy and, you know, has a fitness routine that he follows and everything. Mm. And, and he believes about uh, time and financial freedoms and always strive a way to achieve it. So mm. he, uh, so basically the book is all about that. Yeah. So how much of that do you take on board yourself? When you talk about those values, what about yourself as an entrepreneur? Is it something you're learning or is it something that you had early on before you started your entrepreneurial journey, those values? An entrepreneur, yeah. becoming an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, yeah. So in Indonesia, basically, uh, with me, I didn't, I didn't know the terms, you know, entrepreneur, startup founders, things like that when I started. So it's something that I discover, hmm. and but now I realize that actually I have uh, what it probably have what it takes to be an entrepreneur because I took risks um, better than the the other person probably you know like I am very brave you know I don't I I see the big picture. Uh, but then the entrepreneurial, you, you need to learn more about mm. how to run business, right? So uh, basically, you, you need both. You need, uh, you need to born with it, uh, you know, like leadership and everything. But also, you need to learn how to manage it. Mm. Where, where did but that come from then? When you were young, were your parents entrepreneurs? Were your family? Did you have people around you who were entrepreneurs? I know you say you didn't know the word. So quite possibly mm. that wasn't the mm. case. You just saw people. Who, who was it that kind of influenced you to go in that direction? Um, that's a good question. Nobody. <laughs> so basically... Uh, I don't so believe I... that's the case. But anyway, give us your answer. <laughs> so basically my, my parents worked for the government, right? right? So they basically... Um, civil servant. My mom is a teacher... So uh, they have a uh, exact amount of salary every month and mm. they like security they they like safety in life um but I want more money that's mm. the idea you know like I, I need more money my my allowance was not enough for me back then right mm. so uh I think that's the first thing when I was uh, in elementary school I started selling uh, cookies that you know that our my parents receive from the guests and everything mm. i bring to school and i sell it to my friends and my mom was really upset because like in indonesia we have a giving culture right oh, yeah. 
So we we only give to people. So we we're not selling anything. You know, selling is something very tough to do. Mm. Uh, it's a culture. I don't know. Until now, it's really hard for me to basically close a deal because. Um, well, it sounded like you were pretty successful selling the cookies. <laughs> that was closing a deal, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I still think that there's something in me that holds back. You know, uh, when, yeah. uh, whenever I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's Asia thing, or I don't mm. know, Indonesian thing. I don't know. But if you so came it, for a culture where, especially mm. with your parents who were, lived a very safe and comfortable career path, selling mm-hmm. as well is quite strange in that world as well. It's, it's rare, exactly. isn't it? You know, selling exactly. means going out and. You know, many salespeople being are, vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. And they don't—they don't have that sort of comfort that the average sort of career person would have. So that must yeah. be quite. You know, I don't think it was natural in your family to be salespeople, right? So no, not at all. So I actually maybe it comes from me being a rebel. Right. You know, because okay, now I, we're getting to it. <laughs> maybe i'm actually analyzing myself right now yeah. because yeah i didn't know that never pay attention yeah basically i i think because because i want to be a rebel because all my my parents one is uh, security yeah so i want the opposite you know like i want to do something new you know something that never been done before mm. um but also because i think i have I have a side of humanity. I, I, I mean, I care about social, you know, community, my community, and everything. So, anything that I do must have impact for uh, Indonesian people, to be specific. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to talk about those projects. So that's really important because, you know, that's something where you're you're making an impact, and I can see why LinkedIn gave you that award and so on because you have an influence on people, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. the, the point about being a rebel is an important one, that being a rebel doesn't necessarily mean being destructive. You're actually doing something positive. So I'm curious to know what you did early on in your rebellion, so to speak. <laughs> did, did you, I mean, I don't know your background. Did you, did your parents wish that you went to university and, mm-hmm. you know, got good grades and maybe then became yeah. a doctor or a an accountant or whatever it is that they had expected of people of, you know, your background. Yeah. And, my, fact, my, and you're a woman as well. I mean, that's important to throw into it because they came from a generation where maybe women's roles are very different to yours, especially in Indonesia, right? Yeah. I think my first rebellious act was driving when I was 13. <laughs> 13. All right. What's the law in Indonesia? 17. 17, right. Okay. Go on. <laughs> And also wearing sexy clothes. <laughs> In your teens or still now? <laughs> yes, yeah, teens. Uh, it's a no-no in Indonesia, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Did did you, and, uh, were you just, you know, like pushing, were you rebelling because you wanted to try people out? Were you, you know, like wearing these clothes or driving cars because you wanted to? Because I'm a badass, I, I feel it in my blood so I I want to express myself uh, Uh but then it's really different from my you know the culture is it easy for I mean if I was like I mean we grew up the same generation same age in Indonesia if I was to do those kind of things as a guy and you were to do those things as a woman would Mm -hmm. the reactions be different 
Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Well, I, I would, because uh, for me, it would be like, oh, he's just, he's just a teen guy, he's just kind of having fun, you know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the same everywhere in the world. But I mean, in India, Indonesia, because of the generational differences, a lot's changed, hasn't it? There's going to be more differences in how people view women and men as well, in, in compared to like your yeah. parents' generation. So when they saw you, what did they think of you, like behaving like that? I mean. We don't even need to talk about this. We even my auntie, my auntie said, "Don't be too tall because you cannot get a boyfriend or a husband." <laughs> <laughs> this is my How hate. You you know okay, I mean? I'll try not to be too tall. <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm kind of tall. I'm I'm getting bullied because I'm tall. I was right. I am tall. Yeah. For Indonesian women, I am tall. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So. How did that it, affect you yeah. though? Like. Now that you put it into the context of success and becoming an entrepreneur, all these things that people have said to you, I mean, like, you know, don't become tall because you won't get a boyfriend. That That's funny. And, but there's, <laughs> there's a serious aspect to that as well, because, you know, how does that affect a, a young woman's view about becoming successful in business? Because it's similar, isn't it? Don't become successful, too successful. Mm. Because you mm. may scare men away, right? They don't like successful women. Did those affect you when you were starting out in business, or did you kind of just rebel against everything? Maybe it's uh, unconsciously affecting me. Maybe yeah. because um, in two of my first startups, I bootstrap all the way, so I don't have the nerve, basically, maybe to accept investment from VC, mm. for example. Uh, to to see my my company gets bigger than I can control, I can handle, I can handle, you know. Mm. So um, it's something that probably subconsciously coming to my my brain that uh, hey, maybe you cannot do that. Maybe you can't mm. be that big as big as the man next door, probably, mm. you know. So, but for me, I, I I'm always rebellious and i don't care what people say right. you know uh in i uh, in my i i was divorced mm. i was divorced in my in my family there's nobody divorcing you mm. know they just stay <laughs> stay in uh, whatever kind of marriage they're into but me i i just decide you know like that's a rebel you know my my parents want me to be a programmer which i did become a programmer computer programmer um, computer programmer hmm. uh, but then I uh, after I graduate I write anyway I become uh, someone that I want to be hmm. so I'm I become a programmer who write you know that's that's how I I do it you know so hmm. I didn't 100% uh, being rebellious in me because I still follow what my parents want <laughs> but then uh, after I, I work for two and a half years as a programmer I, I quit my job and to to open an online bookstore hmm. back then yeah, so it's something that's different as, as well. Right. It's interesting you're talking about bootstrapping that, right? Because, you know, there, there's a number of reasons why you did that, and it, it worked out the right thing to do for you, right? Mm -hmm. And you bootstrapped your first two businesses because you said you wanted a number of things that you mentioned, which a lot of entrepreneurs were recognizing, like control. Um, maybe you didn't want to go out and ask for money for people, um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, and maybe you can grow a better business by bootstrapping. And these are all sort of personal th decisions entrepreneurs make. With your mm -hmm. current business, did you bootstrap that as well? With your experience, did you decide, well, okay, right, I bootstrapped all these businesses, I'm going to do this again? 
No, for Zeta Media, uh, we got seed funding from uh, PC. So th this is actually the first time uh, I I do that. So I accept investment because I see that uh, to build the media, you need uh, very big uh, money up front. Uh, so uh, in the first year, I tried to grow tech, quote unquote, the, the traffic, you know, the submission. Uh, because I already have the writer's community, so my job is basically to convert them from fiction writers into someone, into, you know, writers who write articles for mm. us, right? Mm. So, uh, yeah, basically the, I already have uh, the, the, the thing to start, which is the seed funding and also the writers to start. Okay. And also connection, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I changed my mindset right now, and we... We we are uh, in fundraising process right now for Series A, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think I'm getting more and more braver, and and I know that if I can up my game, uh, I can get uh, you know uh, give impact for more people. Mm. Right now, uh, our page views is at uh, 22 millions per month mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. so it's more than I ever been in my. Previous startups, right? I mean, you've got a successful, growing business there, and mm. uh, it's interesting you, you mentioned becoming braver. Uh, you know, when people maybe hear your story, they think, "Well, she sounds pretty brave already." You, you, <laughs> you seem to be constantly re—I don't inventing yourself, but redefining yourself and pushing yourself. Oh up. yeah, yeah. And that's, that I find that you know fascinating that you've chosen to do that because you could have so easily just rested after the first one or the second one right? rested <laughs> well exactly that's obviously something that's quite strange to you what is it that's driving you at the moment now that you're doing this and you, you feel like um, you're going to push yourself forward what is it what's going on there um i don't know it's in me that i always want to learn to be better every time hmm. uh, and i'm very stubborn and, and very persistent in that you know i don't give up at all so, um, yeah, so I try everything and I don't try the same thing, you know, when it's failed, I try the other way, the other way until it's, uh, you know, successful mm. until I'm successful. So, uh, it's excites me, it, you know, it's exciting for me. And, and I read a lot. I read a lot. I, if you check my Instagram at salsa, B E L A, uh, you can, you can see that I have my own hashtag for my books, the books mm. that I read and now reading Hashtag no reading. Mm -hmm. and, and people know what I read every day. Uh, I think I read one, at least one book a day, you know, like I want to learn every, you know, every day. Wow. Um, Would you recommend yeah. a book that everybody should read? Oh, my God. That's, oh, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's tough because you read one a day. So you must have read thousands, right? What, what did you what did you read <laughs> yesterday? Um, so, okay. Um, right now I'm... I'm writing a biography of a top stock trader in Indonesia. Mm. So I'm reading a lot of book about stock markets mm. and, and, the uh, and the philosophy of wealth, uh, you know, and, uh, but, uh, if, if I can recommend you a book that, that probably going to be very basic, um, like foundation for you, I'm a stoic, mm. you know, a part of being a stoic is being okay with two polarity, you know, uh, so for each situation, there's two two things that might happen. It can be okay or it can be not okay. 
So uh, in stoicism, you understand both of possibilities, right? And you accept both possibilities. Mm. Um, so a book that I would recommend you to read is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Mm. So it's basically a, a, a journal, a diary of a Roman empire, uh, emperor. Uh, and he's uh, one of the gr- greatest stoic uh, teacher, mm. basically, yeah. You should well, be. That, that's a pretty deep book to recommend as well because it's you know it's well thousands of years old, right? Effectively, so. yeah, yeah. But it's really, I mean, until now, it's really uh, helping me. You know, because yeah. uh, as an entrepreneur, you basically you can figure it out. You know, you can read some articles and you know what you want to do. But if you're not mentally strong, you know, yeah. like, like mentally at peace, you cannot make the right decision. That's why to read this kind of book is very important. Yeah, yeah. that's a good recommendation. And be curious to hear if any of the listeners have actually read it as well. If they have, then they can also tweet us at Asia Tech Pod. Um, by the way, so let's talk about the uh, we've been building up to this, but I really want to get this out so people can understand what you're doing on the event side of things and the, these festivals that you're pretty active in. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting because you know you're not just taking part in these events to um, you know because they're interesting, but you have sort of an agenda as well to help promote and get people involved. And I, I suppose, in a way, you know, we talked about you not having that kind of support earlier on, in the sense that people said, "Oh, yeah, you can start a business, and that's the kind of natural thing you can do." And you mm. see, like with female entrepreneurs, that's a thing, isn't it? I mean. Like you remember know, your aunt saying to you, you know, don't be too tall because you won't get a boyfriend or <laughs> that that sort of attitude exists in business as well, isn't it? With especially with female entrepreneurs. So tell mm. us about the kind of festivals that you're organizing, these events you're organizing in Indonesia and what kind of people are getting involved and what kind of things are coming out of them. Okay, so <clears throat> since two thousand and ten <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Since 2010, I started a community with my partners. Uh, we call it Startup Local. So basically, we want to uh, meet every month talking about uh, starting a startups, you know, sharing with each other. And it becomes, uh, a cre- it creates already a, an, a, a very healthy startup ecosystem in Indonesia. Uh, so it's already served its purpose. Uh, and now, in this year, uh, at 18 to 19 of October, we will have a local startup fest uh, where 70-plus uh, speakers will be there to share. Mm. So basically, in this festival, uh, not only conferences and talk shows, we're also going to have uh, new startups showcasing. Basically, uh, we, we will have it at Kuningan City in uh, Jakarta. Kuningan City is a mall. So shopping mall. So we want uh, startups to basically reach out directly to their customers, mm. right? And then you know test test their their program, their campaign, whatever what that they want to sell directly. Mm. So that's a local startup fest. And for for women in 2011, back then I, uh, me and my partner Anantia, we started a girls in tech Indonesia. So because I'm a woman and uh, the, I think the number of women in Indonesia technologies, you know, technology industries, basically uh, less than 30%, right? Mm. So we want to increase that number. Uh, so from last year, we already created a, a campaign. We call it Why Not? Uh, 
basically we want to change the mindset of the girls in Indonesia to say why not when 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 they uh, are provided with uh, opportunities to to explore IT, to explore technology, mm. because sometimes they thought that uh, technology is very difficult, right? Mm. So um, in order to change that, we create workshops where people see that, you know, creating a code, uh, you know, code that can uh, create something new, uh, create robots, you know, that can move and everything can be fun. Uh, you know, so we have, uh, we invite uh, partners to, create workshops and give free classes for girls mm. um, so they can see for themselves that hey uh, only in few few hours you can code and you can see it uh, in action you know and it's quite easy you know uh, so that's what we do and we have two program in that we have one for professionals where we take them to Gojek office for example and show uh, introduce them to female um, uh, engineers, you know, and also uh, women partner program where uh, we partner with Facebook uh, to let them know about digital marketing, how to use Facebook to basically, um, you know, grow their business. Mm. Uh, and then uh, we thought that we want to do something more and reach more audience. That's why we create a Girls in Tech Festival on November 24 to 25 uh, in Balai Kartini, uh, Jakarta. Uh, so, yeah, at that festival, it's like a, a technology uh, event, but there's a manicure se section, manicure and pedicure section. Mm -hmm. There's a yoga section, you know. So it's very women, very... Uh, some. Uh, there's also some section where... Uh, women can come and try on some new uh, technology, you know. Uh, so this is the place where they should be coming home inspired to start mm. their own business, to to start their own apps, to work in technology. Yeah, and, and more of it. I think this is fantastic what you're doing as a, you know, just a, a vision that you have and helping out and trying to grow that community. What is it that the community needs the most? I mean, there must be millions of potential female entrepreneurs in Indonesia. I mean, Indonesia population wise, what, 250, 300 million people. Yes. So, mm. I mean, and it's one of the youngest populations in the world as well. I think 50% under the age of 35 or under 40. Exactly. So you exactly. must, you must have a huge, you know, potential pool of mm. female entrepreneurs. What is holding them back? Is it lack of role models? Is it, you know, families like the aunts, like we said, you know, <laughs> saying those things? Is it not having access to these programs? Is it mm. not, is it schools? Do you, or is it yeah. just all of these things? I mean, it's such a big problem. What do you think? Where does it start? Okay. Indonesia is very big, right? We have 17,000 islands. And infrastructure-wise, it's challenging. Mm. Uh, the internet connection is not at fast, as fast as Jakarta. And also, even the electricity. You know, in, in, the, in smaller cities, uh, it's very common to have a um, blackout for four or five hours a day, you know. Mm. So infrastructure-wise, it's already challenging. Um, and also, they need more mentors, you know, that can be there for them. Mm. 
uh, all over Indonesia, of course. Right now, we we try to handle that by launching uh, an online class, uh, kit by kit class IT by Girls in Tech Indonesia. Uh, but then, of course, uh, it's something that we need to educate. You know, uh, e-learning is not something natural in Indonesia. And let let alone the the expensive uh, internet package, mm. you know. So it's also a little bit of everything. Uh, every a lot of challenge yeah. challenges. Yeah, yeah. I think you're doing the right thing to address it. It starts by bringing people together, right? That's the starting point. Yeah, and... from Jakarta first, and then yeah. you know get get people inspired from other cities in yeah. Indonesia. Exactly, yeah. and, and give people. I know you talk about mentoring. Really, that's just people seeing role models and examples, isn't it? So if somebody hears your story, they may think, ah, I can do that. You know, some young girl somewhere will listen to that yeah. and think, oh, that's yeah. possible, right? Because you, I know you said in your, your story, you went out and you rebelled and you did it all alone. You would have had influences and role models somewhere, but because you didn't have so many female role models to look to in business, it was harder for you, right? And I think that's the case mm-hmm. is that if people can see a story Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's this female entrepreneur. She's done this. Yeah. I can yeah. do that as well. Now it becomes so much more possible, doesn't? It? And that's really the starting point. And that's great where you can bring people together, do the mentoring. Yeah, that's and and I thing. I wanna I wanna point that women leadership and men leadership uh, is probably can be different. You mm. know, so you can be women entrepreneur and do your own thing as a woman. Uh, uh, it can be different. Uh, in how men uh, do their own their business you know so you don't have to be masculine to become an entrepreneur so uh, by giving more example of women running their own business with their own way you know uh, a lot of women in Indonesia can see it and say oh it's okay I can do it my own way you know instead of have to be toughened up or doing it the men way you know quote unquote well that goes back to that quote as well and i keep using it about don't be too tall otherwise you won't get a boyfriend right it's kind of <laughs> i think the the fear is isn't it that if you to be successful as an entrepreneur you have to be masculine right and that will scare men away which is with the lack of role models that's what's happening isn't it because people only have originally only had male role models in the business space to to look at right and they were masculine so having more female mm. entrepreneurs like you're doing is, uh, you know, helping address that. And by the way, how do you, how long do you think it will be before you are writing a biography or reading a biography about somebody like Danny Santosa? You're talking about that in the context of a female entrepreneur in Indonesia. How mm. far are we away from that? Do you have them in Indonesia? Is there one at that level or do you think it's a matter of time? Yeah, I think there's a lot now more and more, uh, and they're more senior. Um, yeah, I think there's more and more. I, I can see that coming. Yeah, so uh, I think not uh, not long, like five or ten years, we can have that one uh, bigger bigger star, mm. women role model. Yeah. And would you like somebody it's... to write a biography about you? <laughs> no, I don't think about it yet. Because right. I want to write uh, about myself uh, by myself, right. so uh, in the form of fiction, uh, it's probably novels. Right. Actually, a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs like the way I write, mm. uh, so they started to contact me. And actually, uh, you know, I told them I, I I will only do this once a year because I'm so busy. 
you know, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I run companies, uh, but they don't care, you know, because they like it. They say, oh, this is this is why I need my story to be written. Hmm. So they would actually sign up <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for, for next year. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's yeah. great. Well, Oli, Halimatusadir, everybody. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Before you go, Thank I you. want to ask you for, I mean, you, I know you've got so many projects, so we'll give people your LinkedIn profile as well, but just your links to your main projects so people can go and check you out, especially those uh, events as well. We'll put the details in the show notes, but it'd be good to hear from you which ones you want to share now. Okay, um, you can check my company, zetamedia.id. Uh, if you want to check um, Girls in Tech, you can go to Instagram. Our Instagram is quite active. Instagram.com slash girls in tech ID and also uh, girl, uh, Instagram.com slash local startup fest. Excellent. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Ollie, it's been a real pleasure and an inspiration. I know you, Thank you, you so much. Yeah, you said before the show that you, you didn't know if you had much to update on since we spoke over a year ago, but there was so much content there. I think <laughs> even if you keep telling your story over and over again, which is kind of what it's all about isn't it because by telling the story you kind of learn it yourself a little bit better don't you but by telling your own story no matter exactly. you know even the people that love what you do love hearing your story again and also yeah. that there's so many people out there that should hear your story whether they're in indonesia or anywhere in asia they could be inspired yeah. by what you're doing and what you have done so thanks for coming well, on again. thank you so much for being such a great interviewer mm. and, and great questions <laughs> You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.